What is up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Learn Lead Podcast. As always, we hope you guys are staying safe and productive in the chaos. I kind of want to talk about that a little bit, though. Landon, what have you been doing to uh, stay productive in this? Well, and I think you can agree with this. In our industry, you can kind of work wherever. Overall, I'm up at 5 a.m. I get my morning workout like I always have been. The only difference, really, is I don't have the hour commute to the office and I don't have the hour commute back from the office. And so I've used that to really maximize my time. And and so I'm going from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. of, of, of work hours. Uh, I, I look at work, it kind of has a negative connotation, that word itself. I, I don't feel like I'm working, so it's not it's not the worst thing ever. I'm actually getting a lot more done. I like to call it plurk. One of my mentors actually called it plurk. It's a He's been plurking for 40 years now. What he's been doing is just a combination of pleasure and work his entire life. And I love that because that's what I want to do. I want to plurk for the rest of my life. So basically on my end, I've been uh, really harping on waking up much earlier, going to bed much earlier as well, getting my workouts in, really trying to harp on getting fit now, staying super schedule oriented because in this time we have so much time and we we sometimes could lose the the objective of our day. So if you could set that up beforehand or at the beginning of the day, it's uh, it's much easier to stay productive. And then really trying to learn new things, just uh, hopping into the meditation game, the yoga game, stuff like that, just to uh, kind of keep myself well-rounded. Talk a little bit about, I know you wanted to talk about that that seminar that you were on today and the, uh, the guests that you had. Yeah. So today, my, my company, we had Jesse Itzler on to speak in a webinar. And for those of you that don't know who Jesse Itzler is, he's an entrepreneur, author, and rapper. He's the co-founder of Marquee Jet, which is one of the largest private jet card companies in the world. Uh, he was a partner in Zico Coconut Water, the founder of 100 Mile Group, and he's actually a part owner of the NBA's Atlanta Hawks. So I just threw out a lot of stuff out there, and, and really the things that I that I took away from from the overall conversation was you know, getting ahead of the new normal, right? And and that was the title and the concept of it all. And, and four things to do daily to maximize your day were talked about. And the first one was get dressed, find a dedicated spot to work at. Since we're all locked in our houses at home, there's a lot of complacency going on right now. And it, it can be really tough to, you know, get out of bed. And it's easy to just be in your pajamas and go sit down at the desk, right? But he, you know, he's really focusing and hammering in on us today on on getting dressed, find a dedicated spot, and then, and then also the night before, plan what that day is going to look like. And then time block that day out so that you can allocate time generously throughout the day. Like I said, I'm going seven to seven right now. So it's very easy for me to get sidetracked when I have all this time in my day to be productive. It's very easy to get pulled in a bunch of directions. I, I totally agree. And that's why I've been really fighting that as much as I can by staying schedule oriented. But without further ado, we're really happy that you guys have stayed with us for 10 episodes now. And what better way to celebrate our 10th episode with one of our biggest guests yet, Pat McNamara. Pat is an absolute beast. He's been seen on two of the biggest podcasts out there, the the Jocko Willing podcast and the Joe Rogan podcast. Both of those episodes accumulated millions of views. He's also a retired special forces soldier, and he's the owner of a tactical training company, and he's thriving right now. You guys are going to love this interview. Without further ado, I don't want to get too far into it. You guys really enjoy the episode and uh, give us some feedback. Feel free to share. Love you guys. This is the Learn Lead Podcast with your hosts, 
Tony V and Landon Archangelo coming to you with exclusive access inside the lives of some of the world's most successful leaders. We got Pat McNamara in the building. For those of you that don't know Pat, he's a retired Special Forces soldier. He's a tactical shooting instructor. He's also a combat veteran, also an author, and he's an o- he's the owner of T-Max Incorporated. Guy's an all-around certified badass. Pat, we really appreciate you coming on. How's everything going for you in this time that we're in? Good, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. And yes, everything's going good during Great. this. Great to hear. If you don't mind, we're just going to hop right into it. So we want to talk a little bit about your military and your special operations background. So in civilian terms, do you mind explaining to our guests precisely what teams you were a part of and what roles you played throughout your 20 plus year career in the military? Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, I, um, I spent 22 years in the army's, uh, special operations. I, I was fortunate enough to land a, um, what's called an 18 X-ray contract when I was 18 years old. So coming in, and I started the Special Forces course in uh, 1984 on my 19th birthday and um, made it through that. And then I was a member of uh, First Special Forces Group out of Fort Lewis, Washington. Um, got a few schools, Combat Dive School, Halo School from there. Reclassed into another Special Forces uh, MOS or job specialty. So I started as a uh, weapons specialist and then went into um, become a special forces communicator. Um, I uh, got recruited out of first special forces group to do a, uh, to work a cold war job, which essentially was um, setting up networks for double agents and uh, out of Berlin, Germany. Um, got a couple more schools in there uh, and language. Uh, it was a really cool gig. And then I got uh, recruited to do another job uh, working out of, former Soviet East Germany spying on the Soviet army. Um, uh, and I did that for a couple of years. Once the cold war dried up 91, I went uh, to uh, selection for uh, Delta for uh, USASOC and um, made that my second time through made that and then spent uh, thir- my last 13 years in a tier one unit at uh, Fort Bragg. And so to build off that, you got a lot going on over 20 years of a career. How's your family? What's your support system like throughout all this? Well, the, 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 the military support system is always really good because they know it's a stressful life for both, you know, the guy serving, but more sometimes as equal or, or more stressful for family members. Uh, my, uh, I went through a long uh, relationship and uh, it, it, it didn't work out in the end. And I ended up retiring for the sake of my kids because my kids were little when I was pushing to Iraq. And uh, so 04 and 05, pushing there. And so I retired with 22 years. And at the time, I had no regrets because I had done pretty much everything that you can do in the military. But I also needed to take care of uh, I, I needed to be there for my kids. So uh you know, I, I, I miss it now because I kind of wish I did another eight years because I still had juice in the tank, you know, fire in the system. 
but um but yeah it all worked out you know for the for the better uh yeah what is your favorite experience throughout that career oh uh, my favorite that's that's a tough that's going to be a tough one to answer uh the, the, the favorite the best experiences are just hanging out with the guys that you have built a a relationship with and this relationship is you know it, it's it's at the risk of sounding corny it's intimate you know because you've you've worked with the same guys in the same outfit for a long time and you've seen these you know everything about them you know them better than your wives or anything like that i mean you you've seen them at their best at their worst you've seen them happy you've seen them angry you've seen them nervous you know and uh so there are dozens of those experiences with just hanging out with with those guys during some downtime when when you're not jumping through your ass or when you're not stressed out. And so really want to pack two questions into into one here for you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you could list many, but could you give us just one single thing that you learned about yourself throughout all this as well as what you learned the most about others? One single thing that I learned about myself. Um, I think I I was kind of big for my, you know, too big for my britches early on. Uh, and I thought that my, my shit didn't stink. But I realized that I was capable of failing just like anybody else. And I had a lot of those. So I had to learn how to accept failure and uh, and how I could better from that. Uh, because failure is a biological requirement for us human beings, but we need, you, we need to learn from it, you know, learn from the past, prepare for the future, perform in the present. If, if you accept failure for what it is and you don't, uh, avenge that failure, then, uh, then failure becomes an acceptable way of life. You know, it's just something that you can accept, um, but I, 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 I learned that fa- failing was okay and um, that I'm only human and that that stuff, that th- those, those failures, those hurdles, those errors in life w- are not going to kill me, that I could recover from them and be better off because of them. Things I- I've learned about. And then the second part was what? Learn about other people? What was this thing? Yeah, what you learned the most about others. Um. I, I I don't think I learned it. I think it was affirmation, you know, that I could really, really, really trust those with whom I was working. You know, when mm-hmm. when things got really bad, I knew that I could trust them. So it wasn't so much that I learned it, but it was it was affirmation because because I saw it several times, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was that's it. Are there any memories that you have that stand out to you that you look back on? that kind of connect with what you just said there? Um, nothing's jumping out at me right now, only because there's, there's several of them. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, I, I remember that there's se- several times in my life in the military where I was pretty sure that, uh, that I was, let's say that I was going to die. And I remember in several occasions looking over at the guy I was with and we kind of both looked at each other the same way, you know, with a shrug. 
And I think what was in his mind was in my mind. And that was, eh, it's probably not going to hurt that much, you know, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that with us, Pat. So now this kind of ties into that. Do you mind expanding on the importance of leadership, especially on teams that you were on? Well, without it, there's no synergy. There's no, um, there's no teamwork without, without leadership. Bro- maybe, maybe like the, some of the, maybe talk to us a little bit about the, the, the specific leadership training you guys went through and how you, uh, okay. I'm assuming you're surrounded by a bunch of alpha males in those yeah. teams. So maybe there's one guy that has to be, that you guys have to submit yourselves to a little bit. In, All right. So the regular army has leadership schools and you really don't learn Jack in those schools. Where you learn leadership from is by by being put being put in situations where you have to make decisions and you have to lead, and you learn leadership by those who are leading you. You know, you learn the best way to do stuff and the worst way to do stuff, the right way to say something to somebody and the wrong way to say something to somebody. So you learn leadership by virtue of the fact that you are being led by the right person and that you are consuming or you are devouring and processing that leadership ability or trait, you know, uh, because man, I had some, I had a couple, you know, piss poor leaders, not necessarily in the unit, but I had a lot of really, really good ones and they all had different, you know, uh, qualities and, and, um, they all had, uh, uh, different methods, but uh, that's where you learn leadership from. You learn it from those good leaders who are leading you. And then by being put into a position of leadership where, well, now you either got to sink or swim. I saw in an interview that where you said that you thought there needed to be somewhat of a change in army culture and you intended on doing that. Do you mind expanding on that? Uh, well, it, when I, when I retired, I got hired by an organization that uh, that was their focus was how to change uh, the culture of the army. And um, to me, it seemed like a bridge too far. I mean, to change a culture, I was looking at it, I was being really introspective. You know, they were, they were treating it as like, you know, um, a one-stop shop, just, just brush over, just broad brush uh, this problem. And, you, you have a solution to me. It was a, like a 10 year thing. You know, I was looking at about a 10 year type of so, solution because you can't change a culture overnight. You know, culture is like a, a generation's worth. You know what I mean? It, it, it's not something you're going to fix in a day or a month or a year. You know, you've got to really affect, um, I have a positive effect on, you know, the junior leaders, and those guys have to will have to be around for another generation, you know, and so they could pass it down to their guys. Uh, but a lot of the things that I saw were um, there wasn't, I, you know, in special ops, I was very used to 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 being forced to um, or allowed to think on on your own. Expeditionary mindset was always encouraged. You know, and 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 thinking up ideas. You know, in in the big army or big military, ideas are force fed from top to bottom, and the little guy really doesn't have much of a say. Uh, so I was fortunate where in the unit, ideas were driven from bottom to top. 
so, you know, we were always encouraged to, you know, to create, to imagine, to, uh, to think, to come up with new ideas, new TTPs, SOPs, all this stuff. Um, so we tried to incorporate that into the big army, but it just wasn't really working. It just wasn't really working that well. Yeah. But th- 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 those are, those are the big things, you know, allowing guys, allowing guys to be, uh, to be adults at a young, at a young age, you know, and encouraging them to, uh, to at the risk of sounding corny to think out of the box, you know, and to be creative and to express opinions. Uh, but it's, it's really tough when you're talking about an army. And so, well, I'm going to walk through a little soft timeline and you correct me if I'm, if I'm off here, you retire from the military, uh, early two thousands. Oh, five. Oh, five. You get subcontracted with this corporation and then you hit some adversity and you get laid off. Yep. Right. And uh, can you talk a little bit about that transition about life after the military, how that treated you and and some of the adversity that you went through in that time? Yeah. So, you know, initially I got hired by a corporation. I got hired before I even retired, a couple months out. And um, so I flowed into this and it was like it was like picking low hanging fruit, you know. The, the opportunity was there. I said, hell yeah, let me take right. it. Right. And now I'm working with a bunch of retired military guys. So it's almost like I'm still kind of in the military. Plus I was working on a military contract. So even though I was working in corporate America, I still had my finger on the poles to some degree. And, um, but man, I really, really missed, uh, you know, the camaraderie and the, and, and uh, of, of, the guys I was working with at the unit, you know, that cohesion, that synergy, that camaraderie, you can't, that can't be replicated in a corporate world. Um, and, and then out of the blue, you know, just over four years working with this corporation, I get laid off because they got bought out by a bigger company and they laid off all of their full-time guys and just kept their contractors. And I was like, what in the hell does this even mean? Because, you know, when you're in the military, you don't you're not thinking job security. It never crosses your mind and never, you know, you never think about unemployment or what if I get laid off or what if I get broken? You know, it never crosses your mind. So I was still kind of in that mindset working for this corporation because they still had sort of a military esque type of mindset. So it that scared the freaking living hell out of me. And at the same time, I wasn't doing well uh, at, at home. I had there was domestic issues that I was trying to uh, to clean up. So, um, bro, that was a wake up call there, man. I mean, for anybody, you know, who's who's all who's, you know, out there on the own who retires from the military, you got to have a backstop. I had no backstop. Fortunately, I was able to generate something really fast. And, man, it took off. I mean, it exploded. Uh, only because I sort of laid the groundwork a little bit while I was working for the corporation without even thinking about a what if, you know, a contingency plan. I still laid the groundwork without knowing that I was laying the groundwork for a contingency plan. And um, I was able to generate my own company and start working almost immediately doing the same thing that I was doing uh, for this corporation, but now on my own. And bro, Damn, talk about a wake-up call, you know, working on your own. Best thing, you know, working on your own is awesome. Uh, it's just, uh, it's 
it's scarier than hell. You know, you got to, you, 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 you've got to, you, you're representing yourself now. So you've got to, man, you got to, you got to be on it like a bonnet. The specific uh, work that you're doing for this corporation back then was tactical training, correct? Yeah. For the most part, it was, it was tactical training. Yes. And so then you, you transitioned into what's, what's known now as T-Max. You're right. Can you, can you tell our guests exactly what T-Max stands for and, and what it's all about? Well, I was, <clears throat> I was driving to my CPA's office um, and I had no name for my company. And it was a 20 minute drive and I just had a notepad, you know, over on my uh, center console and I'm just scratching notes while I'm driving. And I think I'm, I'm just thinking, man, I got to come up with a, uh, with a name for my company before I get there. Uh, and I, and I wanted it to sound like, you know, cool, like ring. And there was a film I worked with in the eighties called, it was called T-Max, but it was T-M-A-X. And, um, I put together an acronym that covered all of the bases, all the things I do. So training, marksmanship, adventure, concepts, and security. Because my corporation covers all that stuff. Plus it rings. Plus it's got Mac in there, which is a bonus. But um, it's just a cool sounding name. And by the time I got there, you know, the CPA asked me, what's your company's name? I said, T-Max. And he said, oh, perfect. You know, sounds good. What's it mean? I said, training, marksmanship, adventure, concept, security. But uh, yeah, that's how it that's how it started. I mean, I just kind of winged it. But I'm pretty good at um, at pressure cooking, pressure cooker thinking and whiteboarding on my own. So, um, yeah, that's that's that that was the birth of it right there. And so what do you guys, what do you guys offer? Tell us a little bit more about the different tactical courses. What do you guys offer? Where do they take place and the different types of clients that you work with? Yeah. So I, I primarily, my, my bread and butter, my main focus is, uh, uh, tactical shooting courses. Now I'm not talking tactical where you, where you, you know, you kid up and you're wearing all the fast tech snaps and the multicam and the Velcro, but shooting with tactics in mind. So heavy emphasis on the fundamentals, on the basics, heavy, heavy emphasis. And this is both pistol and carbine. And, um, and, and I have a little thing I, I, I talk about at the beginning of my courses. I say that my courses are a train-a-trainer leadership course built around a shooting program that adheres to the fundamentals. It incorporates individual complex battle drills that are ambiguous in nature to encourage quick thinking and decisive action. And then I came up with a training methodology because nobody was doing it. Um, and I came up with, it, it was just out of my love for reading sports psychology. I came up with a, um, performance based training methodology. So I say, I tell the students that, uh, through coaching, I want to demonstrate a method of training that is safe, efficient, effective. It's combat relevant and encourages a continuous thought process and demands accountability. And I put a lot of courses of fire together that are ambiguous in nature, you know, to uh, encourage that expeditionary mindset. So that's my main focus. I also do, um, you know, pistol only, beginner only, uh, carbine only. And then I run a sentinel class, which right now there's, I think a couple people are catching on and they're trying to replicate, you know, other guys in my industry. But my Sentinel course revolves around a shooting program that adheres to the fundamentals and incorporates the skills necessary to uh, enhance self-preservation and longevity. 
this is my pitch at the beginning of the courses. I say it recognizes that just because we have a gun doesn't mean that we are armed. The mind is the final weapon. All else is supplemental. We don't plan to fail, but we fail to plan. And when we do, we get experience. And experience is something we get shortly after we need it. So the Sentinel course is a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a pistol course about the basics. And then I cover five mini blocks in it. And uh, the mini blocks are uh, vehicle awareness, preparedness, first aid, uh, street fight philosophy, uh, home fortress, like home invasion and home prep, and a whiteboard session on my combat strength training program. And the central course is basically a uh, condensed version of the book, uh, the Sentinel book I wrote. And the Sentinel book is how to be the agent in charge of your own executive protection detail. So I took the blocks that I thought most relevant out of that book and that I could share with people on a, on a, on a gun range. In regards to hand to hand combat and firearms, what are some common mistakes you see your clients making that our listeners can take value from? All right. Number one, only because you asked and you combined shooting and uh, uh, street fighter combatives. One is too many people will say, well, I have a gun. Therefore, they think that they are armed. You know, and they'll say, well, if I get in a confrontation, I'll just shoot them. And I'm like, well, bro, in a lot of cases, that's called murder. So you got to scrub that from your list. You got to come up with a plan B. So a lot of guys um, have zero fight in them. And I don't mean like moxie, you know, or kutzpah. Uh, I mean, they have zero fight, like skill. Um, And so when I teach basic fight stuff, I'm blown away at how many guys have no, no fight in them whatsoever because they're carrying a gun. So they think they're secured. But I tell them, guys, I think that a confrontation is going to go physical way before it goes lethal. I mean, think of all the confrontations you had in your life. How many Absolutely. have been lethal? How many have been lethal? You know, you're going to get hands on or you have to find a way to achieve separation, you know, and 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 mitigate this, the, uh, the, um, the uh, circumstance before it goes lethal. So you have to think about mobility, you know, like boogieing from the scene or ballistic microfight bashing and creating distance and and leaving plus i mean what if you have somebody with you you know you, you got to think about that too you know if you have somebody with you kid or wife or what have you i mean you got to protect them and a lot of guys just think gun armed and I'm like nope that's not that's not right so there's one, one i could go on and on about the, the mistakes but there's a big Absolutely. one when it comes to someone that's out there on the range with a pistol as an example, what's what is one common mistake you see somebody make while firing on the range? All right, there's there's several of them. I'm gonna I'm gonna start probably start writing here while we're talking. No, I probably won't have to. All right, one is a uh, lack of concentration on the bare bone fundamentals because it's boring. Guys don't want to do it. They want to. Be, <laughs> we guys are we guys are very good at practicing what we are good at. You know, and and uh, guys are up. I don't do anything closer than the seven yard line when I'm training guys. You'll I'll see guys go to the range and they're up there at three and they're just pulling a pistol out and spraying down the target. You know, only because what they hear and this is bullshit is they hear statistically that's where most gunfights happen. But the thing is, um, that's a statistic drawn up by cops, man. You know, it's not drawn up by by Joe civilian, armed civilian. 
It's a cop statistic. And it's a cop statistic because they've already been in a tussle. You know, they've already had hands on. So the statistics are are not um, appropriate for uh, us civilians. So that's a big one. They got to get beyond the 10 yard line and work on bare bone fundamentals, you know, marksmanship, because if you're carrying a gun, you have to be able to fire with impunity. That shit has got to be there. We are not as responsible gun handlers. We are not in the business of indiscriminate fire. It has got to be there. So they got to back up beyond the 10, beyond, beyond the 10. How far? I don't know. 25. 25-yard bullseye training. Boring, but so freaking necessary. Necessary. Uh, another one. They live in flat-range world. You know, so they're not considering. When I have guys come to my range, uh, after day one, after I vetted them and, you know, they're and I see that they're safe and they're good gun handlers, on day two, I tell them, guys, here's the rules of the range. Rules of the range, the limits are just think Walmart parking lot. There's no downrange, Walmart parking lot. So we got to be switched on with muzzle awareness and, you know, your fingers off the trigger if you don't have a sight picture and all this stuff. Think Walmart parking lot. Another thing, you're not going to sprint backwards. Try that shit at 11 at night in the Walmart parking lot. Ass over tea kettle, over parking embankment. Now you're getting your chiclets kicked in. It's going to work on a flat range. It's not going to work in the Walmart parking lot, which I call the epicenter for disaster planning. So that's another one. Um, there's a lot of training scars. You know, there's there's um, range theatrics that people work on only because and it, it, and this they're a product of institutional inbreeding. You know, they heard it from somebody else who heard it from somebody else who heard it from somebody else. Therefore, it must be right because everybody's been doing it. So institutional inbreeding and theatrics on the range, theatrics like, you know, shooting around and slowly dropping the pistol because you're following the target to the ground. What is that? Or shooting at your target and snatching the pistol in and looking left and right. Never happened. Never happened in a gunfight. Never. You're not going to shoot. Snatch the pistol into your chest, look left and right, and, and reholster. If you get in a gunfight, you have to close in on that target. Gun fixed on him. You have to clear that gun from the guy, still gun fixed on him. Now you have to call 911, all these things. So anyway, those things drive me freaking crazy. <laughs> and your, your, your level of constructive criticism to your clients, how does that work? Are you, are you hard on them? Does it depend no, no, on who no, you're no. coaching up? All right. So we're talking teaching now, right? Teaching mm -hmm. and coaching. Sure. So it's very important when you're, when you're a coach, you have to be the right person who's going to say the right thing to the right person at the right time. Every person needs to be treated a little differently. So in group forum, I am very just kind of black and white, try to make things loose and, and, uh, uh, not comical, but, you know, I, I inject some comedy in there and just try to keep the atmosphere as loose as I can. <clears throat> With criticism, um, it depends on who it is. Because number one, I'm training strangers with guns. So um, if, a, you know, if I read a guy has thin skin, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to adjust my verbiage accordingly to that guy. If I know that the guy is thick skin and he could take a rubbing, 
then I'm going to rub them. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to razz them a little bit because it, it's going to loosen up the atmosphere and it's going to make him feel better. And it's going to make him feel liked too, you know? Um, and then um, some people don't need a lot of coaching. They just need trickle advice. So I'm very careful with, because we are human beings and we are wired differently. So I'm very careful to make sure that I am uh, critic offering criticism effectively as per the individual's needs. And what is your favorite group of people to coach up in a class? Like if you have your ideal 15 heads, 15 units of people, who's your ideal demographic background, I guess, background with, with, with firearms and, and so on. You know, I, it's a good, that's a good question. And I usually get, I usually get my ideal group. Uh, so my ideal group is when I run open enrollment. All right. Now let me, let me explain the difference. If I get contracted, let's say by a military unit or by uh, a law enforcement agency, the, and the guys are told that they have to be there. Um, I know that some of them, their give a shit is going to be broken before I even start, you know, and, and I'm going to be saying all the right stuff, but I'm just feeding caviar to a hog. That's all I'm doing. Because I know that if they're told to be there, some of them don't want to be there. Now, open enrollment. I put a course up, guys sign up, they pay a deposit. This is, could be a year out. Those guys want to be there. Now, who is in that class? I could have Let's say, let's say it's 12 people. I could have four of them that are law enforcement officers um, and uh, maybe two military guys and the rest are civilians. And with the civilians, they're, you know, I always do a, a brief personal interview at the beginning of the class on an individual basis where I walk up and shake the guy's hand. What's your name? Where are you coming from? What do you do? And the backgrounds are all over the map, which I love. <clears throat> they're, they're everywhere, you know, from, from um, work construction to surgeon to running a strip club. You know, they're all over the map. Um, <clears throat> so those are my favorite classes. Now, also with the LEOs, I love when LEOs come to my class, you know, in open enrollment. And those guys are always, always, always squared away. They're always good gun handlers, always good shooters. The, all the LEOs I see are always squared away. They got their shit together. But I know that I am only seeing a fraction of the LEOs, you know, because these guys are a lot of they're paying out of their own pocket, man. Cops paying out of their own pocket, buying their own ammo, you know, and uh, coming to a class on their days off. So, yeah, those, I usually get I usually get that of uh, the ideal class. Every, every, every time I run one, it's like that. So I'm very fortunate and the skill levels, the skill set disparity is all over the place too. I mean, I'll have guys who can absolutely burn it down to people who are pretty new to the gun world. Overall, if I'm correct, I believe that you're traveling a ton. Your business is backed on you pretty much traveling from state to state all over the country. How is the coronavirus affecting your business now? Not being, being limited in your travel abilities, if you are at all. So for the past eight years, I have been traveling to nearly a different state every month. At the end of 2019, I got wiped out. And I and mid mid 19, I told my wife, I said, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pull, I gotta pull the reins back on 2020. Cause I am getting smoked. 
Um, <clears throat> so I, I lightened up my calendar. Uh, and um, I'm doing a lot more local or just driving courses. Very few flying courses. Because the flying thing, going to the airport four times a freaking month sucks when you're lugging a big gun case and a big gear case. It sucks bad. Rental cars, hotel rooms, sports bars. It sucks. So um, <clears throat> this year I lightened up and all of a sudden, boom, coronavirus, lockdown. So I'm looking at my calendar right now. I lost one, two, three, four, five, six, so far six courses. Now with a lot of them, so, you know, that's all revenue that's gone. It's, it's vanished. <laughs> and a lot of, so with a lot of them, I just pushed them. And because I had this light calendar, I was able to push these courses later into the year, you know, just come up with alternate dates. Right, uh, right. And, and I emailed everybody who paid a deposit and I said, Hey, the options are, well, I could push you to this date or I could send you a refund. And I always hope, please don't. Because I'm gonna honor, I'm gonna honor a refund. You know, I mean, it says on my site refunds are non-refund. They're they're non-refundable. Your, I mean, your um, deposit non-refundable. But <clears throat> there's no way I could be that kind of a dick. So uh, most of them are saying yes, push me to that date. But a lot of them are asking for refunds. So I've got a stack along with not getting paid. I've got a stack of emails uh, that I have to issue refunds. But uh, so it's affecting my business there, but but I'm able to generate business in other areas. So let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit. So I've been following you for a little bit, and you're a fucking animal in the fitness game. You're really like the first guy out there on a big scale offering fitness and tactical training together. Yep. And we see you doing a lot of stuff on social media and YouTube. It's either the objects that you're throwing around or the activities you're always doing. They always seem to be different and really right. dynamic as yeah. well as the things that you're shooting. How do you, how do you think of all these different methods of training? All right. Yeah, that's good. Um, let, let's stick with the, with just the physical portion first. Um, so I've got a system uh, called combat strength training. Uh, I developed it when I, when I retired and I, you know, I slowly worked on it throughout the years. Uh, you know, got a NASM, a national Academy of sports medicine uh, degree and started writing articles that that formed into a book and a website and an online coaching. So when you come up with the, so if you understand the formula and I'm just going to, I'm not trying to sell this product or anything like that, but if you think about first off the formula, right? The formula says you don't have to work your, you don't have, no, you don't need a lot of time. And you don't need a lot of equipment. It all this requires is work. And I like to tell people you work in anaerobic chunks in circuit to near metabolic threshold to meet an aerobic goal. So your target time is between like 25 and 35 minutes. That's all you need during the day. That's it. If you're doing shit right. It's simple. It just isn't easy. Hard work sucks. Not everybody's cut out for it. All right. Now, number two, I break down the work week. Uh, power day, strength day, speed and quickness, hypertrophy skills. So once you understand the difference, like power power is rate of force production how much how fast you know and then and then you think all right it's got to be not only power but triphasic so three phases 
you know, fast on the concentric, hold on the isometric, slow on the eccentric. I got that stuff from this guy, a strength coach named Cal Dietz, um, that triphasic stuff. All right. In addition, what I realized, because I was work, I was doing my programming out of a CrossFit gym for, for a few years. And I realized that most people, even when they're fit, they live in a sagittalistic, sagittalistic environment. That's a made-up word. Um, but, you know, there's three planes of motion, frontal, sagittal, and transverse. Now, sagittal is like straightforward. It's like bench press, push-ups. You know, that's sagittal. Where transverse is rotational. And I'm thinking, well, life-saving and ass-kicking live in the transverse plane. It is the most important plane of motion to work, you know, for life-saving and ass-kicking. And then I started thinking, when, when we work out, even for fit guys, what plane of motion is most neglected? The answer is simple. It's transverse. So a lot of the movements I do are, I, are, I try to replicate real-world movements, um, low impact, because I want to think stronger, longer, and uh, a lot of transverse. And then replicate. And, and, and the other thing is I want to try to trick the body. So um, routine is the playground of a dull mind. You know, and, and, and you know, we, who, who said that about insects? Insects uh, specialize. Human beings don't. But um, yeah, or specialization is for insects. So, you know, if, if guys are in a routine, like they're doing the same thing day in and day out or week in and week out. And number one, they're not recognizing voids. Number two, they're probably not making the gains that they can be. Number three, they're falling into a rut of complacent adaptation. They're just adapting to that one movement. So I want to confuse the body as much as possible. You know, I want to throw in as much balance. as I want, to, I want the muscles to be in recruitment mode overload. Oh, I got to write that down. Recruitment mode <laughs> overload. I like that. Yeah, recruitment mode overload. All right. Uh, so anyway, that even today, my wife and I worked out in our driveway and she's been on my programming while we've been in coronation. Um, and today we did a speed and quickness. Uh, we missed yesterday. Uh, too many chores. We got tired and we said, screw it. We're going to day drink. Uh, so uh, today we did um, speed and quickness. And what I did is I filled up my wheelbarrow full of about 200 pounds and I've got a good s- steep driveway that's about 25 yards so i did sprints up the driveway with the wheelbarrow but we were doing these on intervals you know so one minute interval 30 seconds off one minute interval 30 seconds off um so a lot of it is just being creative you know thinking about it thinking what can i do that i haven't done in a while what can i do with that thing you know when i go to a range and um at the end of the day i'm going to work out on the range I'm going to do that. I'm not going to go to a gym. I used to go to gyms, but I just got sick of it. You know, plus um, if I go to a gym from the range that's next to the hotel, there's a chance I could just drive right to the hotel and say, ah, screw it, man. You know, that could work, work another day. So I know when I go to the range, when I go to a range, whether it's in, you know, Ottumwa, Iowa or Frostproof, Florida or Fairfield, Utah or wherever I'm going. Um, I'm going to look for stuff on the range, you know, that I could do pull-ups with, that I could swing, that I could throw, that I could toss. And um, it's become a thing 
you know, the post-range workout has become a thing. So no matter where I go, guys, at the beginning of the day, these strangers I've never met will say, hey, Pat Mack, you going to do a post-range workout? Now what do I have to say? <laughs> Absolutely I am. I'm, now I'm obligated. You know, so they're holding my feet to the fire because this has become a thing. So, um, and I'll have three to nine dudes doing the post-range workout with me at the end of the day. And that's, uh, yeah, it's become a thing and, and um, they love it. And even, you know, the fittest guys will come in the next day and go, holy crap, my this is sore. My rib meat is killing me. My that thing is sore, you know, because they haven't used it before. So, yeah, I, I love that stuff. And I love being super creative. I love tricking the body. And uh, I love not getting into a rut with training, keeping it interesting. And I love posting this stuff because that's become a thing, too. And and um, and it and it brings me fire. You know, it brings me fire. It, it helps keep my blaze alive. My mantra is, you know, I, I like to, st I like to rekindle a fire. You know, if, if, if a guy's worth kicking in the ass, if there's an ember there, I like to ignite that ember, you know, help him ignite that ember. But once it's lit, it's up to him to keep that blaze alive. So I need to keep my blaze alive too. And the way I do that is by, I've created this fan base who follows me and now they're they're depending on me to do this stuff. <laughs> so now I have this obligation, which is great, you know, because it's, 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 it's give and take, you know, you fire me up, but, or I'll fire you up, but you got to fire me up in return. You know, show me that progress. Show me, tell me your stats, that kind of thing. Tell me that I fired you up <laughs> because if you're telling me I fired you up, I'm going to do the same thing tomorrow. That's awesome. You, you, you guys are holding yourselves accountable to each other, which is really cool. Just trying to help yeah, each man. other grow. So I know you touched on it a little bit earlier, but in times like these where most of us don't really have much equipment going on, what are some of the fundam fundamental exercises that you recommend everyone do, like making sure that we get these things done for sure? Well, I mean, you know, you could still, you could go on walks and runs, right? You could do that stuff. Um, one of the things I think a lot of guys neglect in, in workout, instead of pounding the pavement, you know, going out and running five miles, do sprints, you know, sprints are life, they're life-saving. The ability to move your body from point A to point B expeditiously is life-saving, you know, not only for you, but for somebody else get there fast, you know, sprints. So you can do sprints. Um, you know, I market my own bands, but I'm, I'm not trying to sell them here because I don't have any right now. They're out of stock, but if you get resistance bands and follow the, some of the stuff that I do on social media, you could, you could, Man, just with some resistance bands, you could do a lot of stuff with those. Uh, you could improvise and build yourself a pull-up bar. And if you can't do pull-ups, use a pull-up assist band to help you do pull-ups because pull-ups are life-saving. This is a great opportunity for self-improvement. Why not seize the moment? Yes, sir. Yes, it's a sir. Great opportunity. This, what the fuck is your excuse? It, it, Dude, it's crazy. Man. I mean, this, to me, this is. I, my wife is she cracks up because I am having so much fun during this coronation. Yeah. Am I losing money? Hell yeah, I am. But you know what? I'm going to make the best out of this, man. I'm going to come up with new business. I'm going to come up with crazy workouts. I'm going to be fit as fuck by the time this thing is, is done because I'm coming up with all this new shit that I'm doing in my driveway. 
And, um, you know, I'm working out in the sun. I'm filming little clips of it, putting it up on Soch so guys could replicate it. You know, but I mean, how hard is it to run with a wheelbarrow? You know, I mean, that's, you know, I don't have a degree in good ideas, but but the thing is, it's not hard to come up with good ideas. You know, so, I mean, sp doing sprints with that wheelbarrow today, man, my my freaking legs are wiped out right now. They are wiped out. <clears throat> but um, so back to your question, uh, sprints, um, pull-ups, if you got a pull-up bar, work band stuff. Some people have weights around. You don't have to do just curls. You could do some, you know, some, you could replicate some, uh, some kettlebell type of movements with the weights, even if you have dumbbells. It's, it's, it's all up just, man, you are limited to your creativity and imagination. And I feel like a lot more people need to have that, that winner's mentality that you have just it's time to get creative. So in terms of you personally, what are, what are some of your fitness goals long-term? Uh, long-term, um, <clears throat> I'm 55 right now. I'm feeling pretty good. When I retired, I was you know, kind of busted up. I had four reconstructive surgeries and 13 broken bones by the time I retired. But I, but fortunately, I started working out smart uh, before I retired, you know, maybe six, seven years prior to that. Um, I started understanding what fitness meant. Uh, Long-term goals, I want to maintain this level of fitness for as long as possible. I want to, I want to try to mitigate injuries because I think you know, working out and getting hurt is stupid. You know, it's called fitness, not brokenness. And a lot of people work out and they get freaking hurt in the gym, man. Only because, the, you know, a lot of times it's because of ego. They're lifting too much. They're pushing too much. They're herky jerky. There's no thought into it. There's no warm up, this and that. So I want to be able to maintain for as long as possible. And I want to, I want to always try to challenge myself, whether it's, you know, stronger, being able to throw further, being able to balance longer. And, and I'm always coming up with new, you know, new challenges because there's always something that, you know, none of us are masters at everything, man. We can't be great at everything, but I could be good. I know I could be good at most stuff, you know, at most things I could, I could, I could be, uh, I could be good. So I want to keep challenging the chassis and see how long I could maintain, you know, a, a basically a high level of fitness. So that's by doing stuff smart. It's by not being complacent. It's by not falling into that rut of complacent adaptation. It's by being creative and uh, um, avoiding the, uh, you know, the mundane and, and, and um, not, uh, not getting into a routine. To transition a little bit, I come from a wrestling football, baseball type family. I know that you have some level of wrestling background yourself. Yep. As far as sports go, what sports are great for kids to get into that aspire to be, you know, in, the, in special operations or they aspire to be specimens of their age group? <laughs> the, the one sport that uh, seems to resonate the most or that most people were involved with in the special ops is wrestling. <laughs> I mean... You know, because the, the beauty of that is in order to be good at wrestling, you can't just rely on your coach and your team. You've got to be self-driven. You know, you've got to be able to work on your own. And, and for a kid, you know, when you're talking 15, 16, 17, you know, to be driven as a kid is 
if you're good at wrestling, guarantee you, you, you are self-driven and you've trained on your own. You know, if you've, you've put in the extra miles, you put in the extra weight room, you put in the extra reps, you went to the college during summer vacation and wrestled with the college students, you know, stuff like that. So, and the other, the other good thing about wrestling is number it, it is a team sport because you you know your 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 goal is to make the team better, earn points toward to, so that the team could win. But you're competing at an individual level, so you know there's a level of anxiety there that cannot be replicated or in a lot of other sports. You know, let's say if you're on a field, uh, football field, um, you know you're working together as a you know as, you're a component. You know, the team, you're all, you're all part of that component when you're wrestling and you go out there on the mat for those six minutes, you're all by yourself, just with some other dude, everybody could see every little mistake you made. They could see how good you are. They could see your faults. They could see you, you know, get hurt, all that stuff. Cause everybody's watching, even though it's a team sport, you still got to get out there and perform at an individual level. And so that's the one uh, to me, that's, man, that's the, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's the best, uh, that's the best sport out there for, you know, to prep a guy for that, because there's also, you've got to be committed. You know, you've got to work out on your own. You've got to watch your weight. So you've got to be disciplined where in a lot of other sports, it's like, man, weight's not that important, you know, but losing weight, you know, when you're losing weight and you're 17, Bro, that sucks, man. That takes a level of dedication because you just want to ingest 16 hot dogs, you know? You don't want to freaking eat jellyfish membrane and 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 uh, you know, jello, stuff like that. You want you want to eat. So it it requires, you know, a high level of dedication and discipline. You know, that getting up early, watching what you eat and making sure that you're hydrated, your diet's good and that you're on time and, and plus it's in the winter. Oh my God. You know? So if you're living in a winter state and wrestling, that sucks getting out there and pounding the pavement, you know, when it's dark out, blah, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, bro. So, and you're from the Northeast. Yeah, man. Correct. So you're, you're, you're around wrestling country. I'm, I'm from Delaware, the Philadelphia area. Anthony's yep. from the New York area. So we're all from that. Right. We're around that culture a good bit. Yeah, man. Yeah. That, that, yeah. The re- wrestling was, the, it was either, now nah, we had them all, but the first high school I went to, um, that's all they had. Uh, it was just wrestling. So that, that was their, that was their bread and butter, man. That was their, uh, you know, their meat and potatoes. Yeah. I got a quote for you that I wanted to make sure I mentioned to you. Every night is Saturday night and every morning is Monday morning. That's, that's you and your, and your wife's saying that you guys had, at least yeah. I heard that about a year ago. Is that still accurate? Yeah, well, yes, hundred percent. Now, and let me kind of feel that a little bit. So, um, <clears throat> when I'm here, you know, in town, I'm not traveling. Uh, I'm I'm busy as hell. You know, just like anybody who's running their own business, you're busy as hell. Right. You get up, you're you're grinding, and then I go train my dudes at the gym. I come back and I'm grinding. It's computer. It's it's maintenance. It's doing fulfillment. It's doing registration. And um, my wife works downtown she she'll text me around 6 30 or so hey i'm getting off in 15 minutes i'm like hell yeah i go meet her downtown and we'll have a couple pints 
you know, and we'll sit and we'll just chew the fat like a couple of schoolgirls, man. <laughs> and just just be we're just consumed in each other's with each other's presence. She said one night, yeah, I like this. I like, you know, when you come out, I said, if I don't come out, Rebecca, if I don't come out, I'm going to work until nine, maybe 10, you know, so I don't want to do that. I want to be able to shut down because I know that when I shut down, um, I, I still got to get up the next morning and, and get to the grind. You know, I'm a slave to my own grind. So I still got to get up early and and go out. But I like, you know, we human beings are social creatures. I have a couple pubs I go to in town and, you know, I know all the locals. They know me. Um, they just know me as some dude, you know, some dude that goes to their pub. But I like my pub people. And I like seeing them and saying hi to them. And I like meeting my wife downtown. And I just totally freaking went wing that one night when somebody asked, oh, oh, I know why. Because I went into the pub. Rebecca wasn't there yet, my wife. And I said hi to the bartender. And it was probably a Wednesday. And I said, happy Saturday night to you, my man. He said, Saturday. I said, ah, you know, every night Saturday night for me. But every morning is Monday morning, too. So I can't forget that. But when I come out, every night is Saturday night. Every night. So um, how, many hours, how many hours do you sleep? Uh, I get a full night's sleep. I, you know, I, yeah, I, I sleep a full eight. Oh, okay. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not one of these, you know, I'm not a four-hour a night Trump dude, you know, there's no way, man. I need, I need my sleep, bro. Yeah. Let's segue into uh, the social media game here. So most guys in their late forties, early fifties, they're not blowing up on social media. I'd argue that most of them barely know how to use it. So how did you get started on all these platforms that you've now blown up on? Bro. All right. So when I, I spent years in a really, really bad relationship, and it took me several years to to get out of it because I was trying to get custody of my kids, and and it was just um it was a horrible, horrible thing. And uh, when I met um my my now my wife, my current wife, um she's she's we we have an age difference. She's younger than I am, and uh, she recommended that I get on some social media. Now at the time, I, all I had was I had a YouTube channel and that was doing pretty good. It was doing all right. And, uh, I had a YouTube channel. I had Facebook. The only reason I had Facebook is because I had to get an account to report a guy who was posing as me. <laughs> so in order to report somebody, you have to have an account. So I did that. So I got on Facebook, but she brought up the Instagram thing and that was probably I guess five and a half years ago now ish, something like that. Maybe, maybe six <clears throat> now, five and a half. Um, and I went, Oh man, this is a great platform, you know, because it's, it's instant. It's instant. And I don't, you know, I don't need to spend a lot of time on it. And I started polluting it with a bunch of, you know, the, the same old crap that everybody puts on there. And I realized that, you know, um, my presence was getting big fast, you know, from 1000 to 5,000, it's like, holy crap, I got 5,000 people watching this stuff. So when you get to that 5,000 mark, you, you know, you could see the numbers. You could kind of read the, um, not not the statistics, but the, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The yeah, um, analytics? Yes, the analytics, you know. I'm like, all right, this is what people like. They like the, you know, the dude things. They like the sh- For me, it's the shooting. It's the, the beer. 
the working out, the rock and roll. So let me stick with those. No other freaking crap on there. So I took off all the crap and I started just putting more of that stuff on there. And and then I realized also that you, ha- you, you you've got to use that the right way. It, it, if it's a picture, it's got to be in your face and you have to you know be able to explain something about it. And it's got to be meaningful to others, not just to you, but maybe educational to some degree or interesting, like a hmm, cool, you know, that kind of thing. And if it's video, you've got to be able to captivate, you know, because human beings right now have, um, especially kids, uh, about an eight second attention span, which is one second less than a goldfish. So I know when I lump videos together. They're all about eight or nine seconds. You know, each clip is about eight or nine seconds. And, I, and I'm very keen to that um, because I want to captivate them. I don't want to turn, I don't want them to turn it off. If it's a long drawn out video, unless they're die hard to you, they're going to shut it off. So, and then I started streamlining even more and the numbers kept going up and up and up and up. And I realized, all right, let me stick with mostly just the physical stuff. And, um, and then the messaging, you know, the PSAs or the, uh, yeah, the PSAs, the public safety announcement announcements and my, uh, podcast, uh, partner, uh, CJ, cause we have our own podcast, university of badassery. A couple of years ago, he said, man, Sentinel, that dog has got hunt. Um, you should, you know, do something, um, you know, on Instagram about Sentinel and I freaking just pulled it out of my rear end Sunday Sentinel sermon, you know, and it just rang. And so I started putting those up and damn, man, those things exploded. They freaking just detonated. And then the next cool idea I had the basic dude stuff, bro, what the hell, man, that shit freaking detonated. And that was, I was just winging it one night. I'm sitting on the couch chatting with my wife and, um, we had a couple of appliances go out in one week and she was ordering new ones. Uh, and she found a set of four microwave oven dishwasher range. And I said, perfect, man, the price point's good. Everything's good. It matches all the colors. She goes, yeah, and we could have, uh, you know, so-and-so help install because he's a plumber. And I went, Rebecca, man, I'm a dude, man. I could do all that stuff. That's dude. That's stuff that dude should be able to do. And I went, man, I bet there's a lot of dudes who can't do stuff. So I told her, I said, Rebecca, I got an idea, basic dude stuff. And she was looking at me like I had a dick growing out of my forehead. I said, let me explain. <laughs> um, and, and I said, you know, tying knots, uh, going fishing, um, cooking a steak, uh, treating your wife nice. You know, and I, I started going down, listen, she was shit. You know, she was giving me a North and South with a knot. And I was like, all right. And I, I started writing them down. I went, holy crap, this is never ending. And uh, those have been fun, man. Those things have exploded. So yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. And um, heck, what am I? I'm, I'm at like three hundred thousand followers on IG, and then uh, my YouTube's up to a hundred and almost one hundred ten thousand subscribers. Um, but yeah, they're all they're all they're all doing well. And, and you know what? You know what it is positivity resonates. People like positivity. Negativity resonates too, you know, and, and is contagious. But I think most people would rather 
be good and be positive than to be shrill, to be vile, to be nasty. And I freaking despise those people. You know, when you're around those people, achieve separation, man. Get away because it'll do nothing but bring you down. So I make sure that my message is as positive as possible. Inject a little humor into there. You know, keep it cool. Uh, keep it metal. Keep it rock and roll. You know, all that stuff. Just, and it's it's so it's so much fun for me. And it's become it's become a job. You know, it's it's grown into this thing that that I am now responsible for. You know, I answer messages and the emails and the DMs and the Holy crap, man. It goes on and on and on. But yeah, think about think about how we but when you get when you get emails or messages saying how this stuff has changed somebody's life, and I get tons of those, tons of them. Life changing. I mean, bro, that that is so fulfilling. It is so fulfilling. And all it makes you want to do is stay on message. You know, you like I, I tell my wife, I said, Rebecca, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. And she says, just keep doing you. You don't have to do anything else. Just keep being you. And I'm like, yep, I'm, I, that's what I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, ad lib or, um, or, or play with this thing at all. I'm not going to try to modify it. I'm just going to go with what it is because if it's working, then, you know, if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. That kind of thing. People appreciate that authenticity. And then have you, and I appreciate you being so interactive on Instagram because that was, it's so awesome how we were able to just connect so instantly. I I saw your content. I was like, Hey, this guy's a badass. I'm going to hit him up. See if he wants to come on the podcast and share. And, uh, and I appreciate you doing that. Do you do any, any, is all your, like the, the way you grow your, your media following is, is that all organic just through content, through awesome ass content? Or do you use techniques to do that through like, it's it's all organic. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Um, I just watch it grow, uh, and um, and, it, and it's coming up with ideas like that, you know, the basic dude stuff or Sunday Sentinel sermon, you know, because people share those. They share the hell out of them. They're like, oh my god, look at this message, you know, or the workout stuff, you know. So those three things, that's my bread and butter. Uh, the the physical stuff, the Sunday Sentinel sermon, the basic dude stuff, you know, those. Three things are are really kicking ass. So it, it's almost like I found my niche. You know, that's what it is. And now that I found it, um, I'm just going to keep building on that. And people like it, so I'm just going to keep doing more of it until I come up with another, until I have another epiphany, man. And, you know, that's the thing, too, about epiphanies. Sometimes you just have to act on them. You know, massage it a little bit. Luckily, you know, my wife vets my, my stupid ideas. Um, she's like my executive assistant. So that way, if I have a crazy ass idea, I run it past her and she could either give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And sometimes I have to plead my case and I'm like, ah, I know it sounds stupid, but hear me out. You know, that kind of thing. So no, I, I just, I just let it, let it do its thing. What does the future hold for T-Max? Uh, well, I'm going to slow down a little bit with the, uh, with the trap that that's for sure. I, I have to slow down. I want to do things. I want people ask that you, they say, man, you're hobby heavy. You know, what, what hobbies that you aren't doing, do you want to do? And I say all of them, everything. I want to do everything, all of the things. 
Um, so I want to slow down so I could, so I could, so I could get some me time, bro. I know that sounds, you know, I, I need some me time, <laughs> some me time. Um, I'm going to, uh, start a uh, online coaching group. Uh, and that's coming up. I'm hoping this month to launch, uh, so I could work a lot more from home, uh, because I like being a homebody. I've traveled enough. You know, I, I like, I like being at home. I like going fishing and playing golf and stuff like that. I want to chill a little bit more. I still want to do all the shooting and training and all the combat strength training, but I want to chill a little bit more. Um, so right now I have no big plans about future. Just slow down and work a lot more from home base, maybe a lot more uh, on the private side, private courses, because those are fun, you know, like twosies, threesies, that kind of thing. Those, those, I get a those are very satisfying to me because I'm not having to, uh, you know, my head doesn't have to be on a swivel as much as when I'm working with 16 dudes. And as far as your social handles go in your podcast, how can our listeners get in touch with you and, and follow your journey? Well, I'm, I'm, on almost everything, I am T-Max Inc. T-M-A-C-S-I-N-C. So most of all my platforms, uh, my YouTube, it's Pat Mac, Pat Mac. Uh, my podcast is university of badassery. It's fun. It's all upbeat. It's really cool. Uh, and that's, that's it for the most part. Well, Pat, thank you so much. We really appreciate all the value you brought and just the, uh, the mindset that you bring every day and the, to your listeners, to your followers and all the content that you have, just keep it up, man. You're doing a great job and helping everyone and inspiring everyone to be their best selves. So once again, really thank you. Right on, guys. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. If you love America, follow Pat McNamara. <laughs>